Welcome to the Couch Olympians podcast. I'm your host, Harry, and every episode I'll be joined by a new guest to talk about Olympics of the past while looking forward to Tokyo 2021. This is Couch Olympians. Welcome back to another edition of the Couch Olympians podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by Mikey Fanning. Uh, he is uh, taking quite a journey uh, through college, you know, very high profile rower, but I'm sure he'll tell you all about that himself. Mikey, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Kerba. Good to see you. Good to see you, as always. Uh, so let's just get straight into it with uh, sort of what was, how did you get into rowing? How did you kind of come on that to where you are now? Yeah, so I, um, as you know, obviously was in school with you, we you know, tricked around a load of different sports, um, rugby, uh, Gaelic football. And then I kind of carried Gaelic football over into college for my first year. I went to UL. So um, I kind of went down the, the not so beaten path from Dublin to UL and um, and played Gaelic football for my first year. And then it wasn't until I was on a J1 in America that I decided to um, just, you know, try out rowing. And then once I came back to, to um, UL, I, I, you know, kept it going. And I started the the novice rowing program in UL there, and um, it's kind of taken off from there. Just just stayed at it ever since, really. That's interesting, though, because you spoke of that like in school. Like we we were both never the most talented rugby players, yeah. Or uh, and then or the we played like uh, kind of fourths. yeah the thirds and fourths merchants like. Mm. Um, but you know we played all the sports, and what do you think is the biggest skill coming across from those sort of field sports like ga and rugby into rowing? Um. It's a good question. I suppose, I suppose like the only thing would really would be kind of the mindset side of things really. Um, like in terms of obviously it, it was the first sport that I had, that I had done that didn't involve a ball or didn't, you know, didn't involve like playing on a field or anything like that. Um, and yeah, as you say, not that, not that I was the most ever the most talented player at any other sport. I think rowing is something that just really rewards hard work. Um, and they're, they're really it's quite it's, it's quite skillful but you know it, it, it's, it's, it's a fixed movement so you, you know you, you watch the Olympics in rowing and, and they take the same stroke you know about, about 240 times in a race and whoever can do that the best and the fastest wins so a lot of repetition and a lot of just day after day after day um, uh, you know work is, is probably is the, is the biggest thing and I, like I could never I never was the hard, the hardest working player in any other sport. But then when it came to rowing, it just, you know, maybe I, I just realized this was my last shot at kind of being good at something. So, yeah, maybe that's why. I yeah, the, you talk about that. And obviously, there's like technique involved and all that and trying to get your technique better. But it seems like it's just a real grind. Like it is just like getting better at like one thing over and over again, getting that you're just your focus on just cardio fitness is like almost everything, I presume, when you're doing your strength and conditioning. Uh, would be right in saying that. Yeah, definitely, definitely, absolutely. It's um, you know, it's they, they say uh, miles make champions in in rowing. So it's it's just literally like our. That's why even our training now, as in, in college, would be we would train twice a day. Um, so we would do about it would, on a normal week, it would be about eight aerobic sessions. So long endurance stuff. You know, always over an hour. Um, kind of in a low heart rate zone, and then about two, maybe two high intensity interval sessions um and then you know that would then you'd have about maybe three and uh, three weight sessions in the week but that that would vary but yeah as you say cardio fitness and, and kind of that the races last between 
between five and a half and seven and a half minutes. So they'd be, you know, it's, it, it does rely on your cardio a lot. And there's so many different like iterations of the sport as well. You have like the guys who do it on it themselves and you have the guys who do it in the team of eight. So what's your focus? What's your um, almost event in rowing? Yeah, definitely. Like there is that, there is that real variety. So there's, you know, you go all the way from a single up until it to, up to an eight um, and you can run, you know, run a four or a pair as well. Um, and I suppose you don't, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't really be like athletics in the sense that athletics seems to be, they, they you know, they specialize quite a lot earlier. Um, so in, in rowing, like I would, you know, throughout an average season, I might actually race every event. Okay. Well, that's interesting because I thought you'd be kind of like a specialist, but as you say, it's the same movement just with more people or less people. Yeah, definitely. And even, even at the Olympics, the odd time, like normally just because of how taxing the event is, uh, normally the person will just, you know, someone will just choose one boat class and race that. But there actually have been occasions where people have, have won um, two medals. Uh, there was a, the, uh, a girl, Kim Crow. She actually won a medal in the women's single and the women's double at the 2012 London Olympics. So that was, that was pretty incredible. So just, you know, as, as you say, there's kind of the skills transfer over to the different boats. Yeah. And moving on to the Olympics is quite interesting because, you know, you have Ireland's always quite performed quite well in the rowing. You know, there's a good culture of kind of rowing in colleges anyway. They like the rowing team obviously is very important. You know, it gets a lot of investment. And then you had like the O'Donovan brothers in Rio and then looking forward to Tokyo, what we I've I've seen chat about, you know, is Santina is gonna is got a medal hopeful, but is there any other kind of up and coming there? Yeah, so um as you say, like the Donovan brothers kind of kicked it off and it's it's exploded ever since that was actually Ireland only Ireland's first ever um Olympic medal um in rowing. And then yeah, so then of course, yeah, so then, as you say, like Sunita um at the next Olympics, she she would hopefully be a big medal hope. Um and then, um, then like Paul O'Donovan is still in the double from Rio, so he'll be looking to defend his title with um, with Finton McCarthy, who who he's actually rode with. So Finton's knocked um, knocked Gary out of the boat, Gary O'Donovan. So there's there's a uh, there's only one O'Donovan brother left in the double at the moment for, for the time being. Gary might get back in, but um, and then there's the, the Olympics in rowing is kind of strange because in Olympic year there's actually a chance to qualify again. So there's an opportunity for um, any Irish boats who haven't qualified. They can actually, there's there's a last chance qualification regatta. Oh, wow. They call it the regatta. Yeah, they call it the regatta of death. Um, <laughs> and yeah, because like uh, maybe only one or two crews per event can qualify at that regatta. And that's on in, I think it might be on in May sometime. Um, so there, there's a couple of, there's an Irish women's four, women's lightweight double. Um, going to going to that regatta looking to you know looking to seal a qualification spot so hopefully we, we can qualify um, one of those crews there excellent yeah no it'd be great pretty, to see. pretty cutthroat though yeah and in terms of the training obviously you said you know it's very much endurance based and it's like you said you're training it twice a day um how much would, did covid disrupt like on like these athletes preparing for the olympics and even in your own training um in a weird way it i actually think it not at all. In, 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 in one sense, obviously, there was no, you know, team environment anymore. It was everyone had to kind of go back to their own homes, particularly for the for the beginning. Um, but and there was no on water training. But like rowers seem to just have this kind of adaptive mindset. So we literally just before um, the colleges closed, we just went, we all went down to the boathouse and basically took every piece of equipment 
<laughs> out of the boathouse and loaded it into our cars and it was all distributed across the whole squad and, and we went back home and we were we were training from home the next day like expected to do the full you know the full training and and, and international rowers were the same yeah uh, that's in, yeah. i'm sure your equipment manager was having having a good time with that <laughs> yeah our head coach he just yeah but it's funny even that you said that like with rowing like the on the rowing machine everyone's seen those in gyms and stuff like there's a there's a two kilometer uh erg test on the rowing machine it's kind of the benchmark that's the distance that that's raced over at the olympics and um so the two kilometer erg test is like the benchmark and basically i think only only like eight men ever have gone under five minutes and 40 seconds in that so that'll mean nothing to anybody but what's significant about it is that I think four of those mark or four of those people uh, broke it in lockdown. Oh wow! Yeah, so yeah. it kind of you know, and like that's all time. Yeah. Um, so, but as you said, it's such an like you know, coming from my experience in, in playing like American football, obviously a very team sport. Like very much, you can't just sort of play it by yourself, almost in the same way as rowing. Like we haven't been able to train since March. So, you know, obviously yeah. we've been able to focus on like our own stuff and, you know, like kind of doing our own sort of strength and conditioning outside of that. But you still can't get the like, like the difference between like getting on a field, putting the pads on and like actually working together as a team compared yeah. to just doing work at home. It's night and day. What you're saying there is pretty much is if you have the rowing machine in your garage or something, you're pretty much doing the same training as you would if you were just in the gym. Maybe you'd have a bit more crack in the gym, but, you know. You're pretty much doing the same, so yeah, you can you can stimulate the same. That, yeah, that, that's that, yeah. I suppose you can't practice your your tackling or anything like that. Oh yeah, yeah, you, know? you can't. Yeah, exactly. Or you know, you you kind of, you know, the, all the not even the equipment you need, but like almost like yeah, you can't just rock up. Obviously, you can go out and just throw a ball around, but like then again, mm. you're not really doing much there to simulate the actual experience that will go on, or you're not really doing the correct conditioning either. Um, right. Yeah. But that's that's interesting because uh, it's kind of moving on to my, my next question about like, you know, the mentality of like a rower is kind of when you're competing against somebody. For me, anyway, I always compete one on one in my position in American football. I play like a blocking man. So basically what I'm trying to do is stop the guy who's in front of me from getting to my quarterback. So my mentality is always kind of like just to beat my man, like do my job almost and but you can you can affect how your opponent does basically by like putting them in the ground playing against them when you're rowing against somebody and it's the same probably for sprinters and like and all those sort of sports is it's it's up to you really at the end of the day you know you can't really influence the other person's like race yeah. can you so just how does that like work almost yeah yeah no definitely um it's 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 really it is really interesting basically um like like you say it's just there's there's actually nothing you can do because you're, you're so far away in rowing that there's you know i'm in this lane and you're in this lane and like it, you know it's it's like even in sprinting and, and things like that you're a little bit closer or cycling like you can kind of cut people off and things like that um but in rowing it's you know you have to actually stay in your own lane so really the the best way of going about you know any performance is, is, is just to just genuinely focus on rowing your quickest your quickest race and um, obviously there, there are some things that come into it like you know, there are instances where, you know, a crew might, their tactic might be to get out ahead and start really quickly mm. so that, you know, they can kind of, so that they can, you know, influence kind of the mindset of the other crews. Yeah, I was like, oh shit, um, I got to go faster because they're going fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And then and once they kind of, you know, they, they say like, you know, dominate a race from the beginning or those kind of things. Um, and, and you do see that that, that works. But but realistically, there are, there's there's been, you know, thousands of rowing races where a crew has been 
last all the way through the, the event and then next thing they kind of come through in the last 500 metres you'll see you know if, if you watch the Irish double at the Tokyo Olympics um, Paul and Paul and Finton that you'll see most likely see that it might be last 500 metres in um, but hopefully at the finish line they'll, they'll, they'll be ahead you know? and then is there tactics in terms of you know the the lane that you get in as well so like I know in like horse racing you always want to try and get like the the slot that suits the horse or whatever so would you be like is there like a preference to mean like would you want to be in the middle or the side or are they so spread out that it doesn't even matter um they're the only thing that kind of i suppose can influence it is weather conditions so um basically normally the, the middle lanes are the best um that's that's where like the crew so if you win your heat say if it's a heat and then onto a semi-final and then a final you win your heat you'll get the center lane for the semi and if you if you win the semi you'll get the center lane for the final and that that you know that's kind of the preferred position by most crews you can just kind of keep an eye on your opponents and stuff like that um but then if it say if the wind is blowing like from the left of the course then the crews closest to the left will be worst affected okay they'll be kind of yeah. right in the face of the wind um and they'll, they'll have no you know no shelter so things like that can influence it and you you can get um quite unfair weather conditions in in rowing occasionally and, and some lanes will be much much quicker than others um but it's you know it's an outdoor sport that's just that's just the nature of it you can't we can't you know if, if you only raced in completely still conditions you'd never race yeah so. exactly it's kind of like you know in golf or something it's like they go out over the course of the day and it might be rainy in the in the morning and it might be dry by evening, but that's just sport. Like nobody can complain about that almost. But yeah, yeah I want to really kind of dig in and like the performance and like, you know, it's just such a unique sport as I know I keep saying it, but like the ability just to commit like early mornings and like late nights just in the gym, yeah. just doing ergs. Is that what they call it ergs, isn't it? <laughs> Is the, yeah, yeah. It's the exactly. slang. You um, you the slang yeah. So yeah. like what kind of, habits or behaviors do you think you've taken to try and like go to do this commitment and like be part of this team good question i suppose you kind of um you probably learn it you know you learn it from people around you is probably the biggest thing um and i and you know the like we always talk about culture culture in the sport and culture within within our squad is so important and it's, it's kind of a funny story so when i came into ul um the one of the first people that i met was a, there was a guy called keelan mannix um, and he's from Skibbereen Rowing Club. Um, and so I suppose growing up, the culture that he was exposed to was the O'Donovan brothers, the McCarthy brothers in, in Skibbereen Rowing Club. That was the culture that was kind of being passed down. That, that was the example that was set for him. And, you know, he kind of he kind of inherited that. And, and that then his mentality around training was, was totally based on what those guys were doing. And, the, you know, the level of training that he was doing was extremely intense. So... I kind of saw that when I came into UL and that was, that was the example that was set for me. Um, and then he's kind of passed that on and then, you know, started to gather momentum. And now, now everyone in UL trains like that. That's so, yeah, probably, I, I don't know if, if, um, if I had those, if I had like different coaches or different athletes around me at that time, it probably would have been very different. Cause you know, I, like I couldn't have, you know, imagined going from a sport where you, you know, might train four or five times a week to, to training 12 times a week. Yeah, no, culture is something I think a lot of people would really drastically underrate in terms of like how a team yeah. performs. You know, when I first, like in a similar example, when I went to UCD and I played American football, you know, we've kind of seen how the culture has developed over my four or five years there as, you know, we've kind of 
you know, being like for a sport like American football is we have a big issue probably compared to not, not you probably guys wouldn't relate to it, but you know, we have to really, really focus on recruitment and, you know, really convince people that like, come on play, like come play and like get them to buy in because, you know, we're not like the rugby's or the GAs or the soccer's that we're trying to compete with. So like we started like doing really heavy recruitment and like really welcoming. So it's a very different mindset coming in because at the start, you don't want to be, commit 100%. If you miss a training, you're out or anything like that because mm. the lads yeah. will just leave, you know? So before Christmas, Absolutely. the tactic is pretty much being like buy in, be really welcoming. Like I, I kind of tried when I was, I was, I, I was a recruitment officer uh, two years ago. Oh, and really? I, I really tried to get guys to you know, like really introduce yourself to the new guys, like go around, shake people's yeah. hands, ask them what their story is, ask them what they think, constantly getting feedback, you know, build the relationships because then if Definitely. they, go, then if they go missing or something, or if they, if they start falling out, you can kind of reach out in a personal way saying, Hey man, what you think? And if they're like, Oh, I just didn't like it. Fair enough. Uh, but Definitely. like we can take those learnings on forward. And then after Christmas, as our season starts, as we go from March to September, you know, you see guys start to really buy into it and like really buy into the program, buy into the system, what we're trying to do. And, you know, as the competition for starting spots, you know, there's only 22 yeah. starting spots in the team, offense, defense, you know, the competition for those spots starts to really heat up and you see the guys who really commit themselves. And it was really unfortunate because last season we had like our highest ever sign-up rate and the, going into the oh, first no game, we, we, were, we had like, I think 42 guys like ready to go signed up. And sure. when I joined yeah. in my rookie year, like we were lucky to get 25 on game day. So, you know, we, it, it's just, it was such an annoying what? kind of thing that COVID hit at such a bad time. But looking at your sport, you know, it's such a, it's such a mentality that like, if you don't buy in, you just won't cut it. Like, you know. Oh no, um, there, like there is that tendency to try and kind of, I suppose, make it, you know, make it easy so that people will, people will kind of stay at the beginning and stuff like that. Um, and there is that to a certain degree, but, you know, in, in, I suppose in like and probably it's probably the same in, in any sport in American football. You know, really, what once once the going gets tough, um, there there will be a big drop off. Like there to get to an elite level in any sport. Once the pads come on, we start hitting. Yeah, it's that's it. Like the drop off just... is like because I think because everyone sees the sports on on uh, Sky Sports and all that, and they see everything like that, and then uh, we get like a hundred guys down on like the first or two or two or three training sessions. And then as soon as the pads come on and they, you know, we take a while to warm, we can't just throw pads on somebody and let them hit straight away. So we take a while to like yeah. warm up, yeah. you know, learn technique, learn proper technique. But as soon as we start properly hitting, you see guys who are kind of like, Oh, I don't know if I like this now. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't for me. I'll go back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but in terms as well of, yeah culture now you've seen you see examples of like really toxic culture sometimes in teams or even just competitors and you're just you're kind of like mm-hmm. you know like as soon as the maybe you know they, they've kind of a great example is that like when um i was on study abroad and i i joined the rugby team there and you saw sort of from other teams that we were playing against you kind of saw these like really bad cultures of kind of the typical rugby thing you know where it's like oh you're you're a rookie you're a first timer blah 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 all that sort of stuff where it's like guys think they're invincible on the team and stuff and that's something that we tried to completely eliminate when they came over to american football and it's just something that you kind of see in teams sometimes and you're just like what are you doing like you know you're 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 almost your sustainability long term is you're just killing it like because you're you're bringing no through through. absolutely and i think it's especially prevalent in rugby as well i think i don't know it just it's yeah, you see it. You see it in, in a lot of sports in GA as well. Sometimes, and, and 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 in rowing too. I think you know it's not rowing like 
absolutely not free from it. Yeah. And you see, like, I suppose in rowing as well, it, there, there, there has been, there actually has been issues with certain teams. Um, the New Zealand rowing setup um, has been extremely, extremely successful. And for the large part, it's been, you know, it's been a very good, like, home to its athletes too. But they, they did have a, a complete revamp um, there back in, I think it was after the Rio Olympics, um, you know, and a couple of the leading names got, you know, had to get fired. Um, just because of, there was such a culture of kind of um, almost athlete abuse through, or maybe athlete abuse is the wrong word, but like the well-being of athletes wasn't being looked after. It was just, there was such a culture of hard work and, you know, driving athletes into the ground. And it's just that fine balance, I suppose, between kind of, you ha- you, there's no other option but to work harder than anybody else if you want to win. But then, you know, it's how do you balance that with, with, with someone's, you know, personal well-being. Yeah, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta mind your mindset as well. Or else if you work hard and if you're lifting extra weights and, you know, you're lifting or you're doing ex- that extra 5K than everyone else, your body is just not going to be able to take that. And, you know, you gotta, gotta focus on your recovery. Like I presume recovery is a massive thing in rowing and like looking after your body so you can, you can put it through this sort of, um, or what's the word I'd put it through that sort of commitment and intensity yeah definitely definitely and I think like sports science obviously has just been huge in every sport but I think in rowing probably its biggest its biggest contribution is um, is like the idea that kind of like you can train a lot but 90 you know I'd say 80% of the training can can be in that kind of low intensity zone because it's it's a long distance sport like you don't need to be flogging yourself but if you're putting in a good hour hour and a half in your kind of you know like where you're with measure like lactate from the ear and kind of you know heart rate zones and stuff like that and it, and it should mm. it should be you should be able to hold a conversation for most of it and then when it comes to the sprint stuff that you're really able to to hammer it but um you know as opposed to just completely going out flogging yourself every day as you say like it's just not sustainable so that's been a big that's been a big contribution from sports science that so obviously this massive commitment you have to put in this massive sort of endurance you put your body through what do you kind of do as your like go-to recovery after like a big race meet yeah so um i suppose recovery isn't something that i pay an awful lot of attention to and i probably should pay a bit more but i suppose just you know the usual is like it's you'll, you'll always feel better if you you know stretch and um you know, go for a bit of a warm down. You like warm down paddles are always a really good idea. Um, once you once you you know release all that lactic acid into your blood and get the get the heart rate going really really high, it's it's important to kind of um, you know you do like do your stretching afterwards and, and kind of bring your bring go not not to go from you know going full ham to going to completely neutral state to kind of gradually bring it back down. So the warm down is often can actually be kind of di- like can be quite hard. It can be quite, you know, actually pushing quite a bit just to get, you know, to really get yourself back down into the, to the zone. Yeah. Awesome. And then finally, we're going on to this uh, performance summit that you're working with. And um, just if you could tell a bit, a bit about that, it'd be great. Yeah. So um, I'm involved in, in the SAM performance summit. So it's, it's SAM science athlete mentor. Um, and it's, it's basically started by a guy called James Mangan in Limerick. And he was, you know, he, he was a coach in the USA for years in rowing, um, coached athletes to the Olympic level. Um, the most notable people that he coached was, was probably uh, the Winklevoss twins. He, he coached them right the way from their, their beginning in the sport um, to, through to when they went to Harvard. And then he kind of took them over again for a spell. And they ended up going to the, to the Olympics in Beijing. Um, uh, but then the, so the conference is basically, it's, it's basically all things sports science, 
um, and it's through the eyes of kind of sports scientists. So people may have heard Stephen Sealer, he's going to be speaking on it. Um, and then, you know, we'll be hearing from, from some athletes as well, such as obviously the Winklevoss twins. Um, and then, you know, some of the, the mentors around that as well. So uh, Billy Walsh from, who was the Irish boxing coach when he competed in boxing at the Olympics himself. Um, and then he was, he, he, you know, he coached Ireland at the 2012 Olympics and now he's the team USA head boxing coach. So, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be really, hopefully a really, really insightful uh, conference for anybody interested in the Olympics coaching um, and, you know, how sports science can bring athletes to the peak of their game. Amazing. And what, what date is it on? So the tickets are going to be available on the 30th of this month. So that's next Tuesday. And then the videos will be released on the, um, on the 5th of, it, of May. Amazing. So, amazing. Yeah, that, that's so, 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 so the, cool. you can follow it on, follow it on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, It'll be at, at Sam performance on all of those. So yeah, that, that, that should be a good event. It's always interesting to hear like how the top dogs sort of perform or like their mindset is, um, so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of gain so much. I feel from, you know, even like even listening to your, the previous episodes of this podcast, you kind of, you know, you get such an insight into how the different, different sports work. And, but I suppose hearing, hearing it from, um, hearing it from the athletes and coaches themselves will be, will be, uh, will be very, I know good. Louis Mockler really is a high performing athlete. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, he's at the, at the peak of his game. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if you've heard about it, but the, um, Jake Humphrey from BT Sport does an amazing podcast called the High Performance Podcast. Oh, right. oh I have heard about that. Yeah, yeah. and he, it, it's really, really insightful. So uh, it's one to listen to uh, if anyone, after this podcast, of course, but uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's one to listen to. But uh, Mikey, really appreciate yeah. that and look forward to keeping an eye out for the guys in Rio, or not Rio, Tokyo. Uh, at the, Tokyo, the yeah. um, should, should be Should be a good watch and hopefully Ireland can bring home a few medals. Hopefully, hopefully. I'm sure they will. All right. Thanks a minute for that, Kerbo. Thanks, Mikey. And thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Couch Olympians podcast. Um, I, that was a really insightful interview with Mikey, and it's just so interesting to see like he's competed at like a very high level in Irish college rowing, and like talking about the mindset and you know some of the the Irish hopefuls going to Tokyo, um, was a really really interesting conversation so i was thinking about putting the news in first um and but then sort of just when i listened to the interview with mikey i was like okay that that has to go first it's, it's just i think it's the best interview i've done on this podcast i think this is probably the best episode so hopefully you think the same and uh if you do make sure to like subscribe follow um rate of five stars wherever you get your podcasts from and yeah so getting into the news Firstly, we had um, two new people qualify for the Olympics from Ireland today. We had um, the sailing team, the sailing duos of Robert Dixon and Sean Wadalove. And yeah, they secured their place at Tokyo. And sailing's a really interesting sport, obviously, because I was talking about this with Luke Stafford of the Content K Fitness podcast uh, on Twitter at TS Harry K. And it's very interesting because we should be really good at sailing and we are good at sailing. It's always been the sport that we sent. We got obviously with Annalise Murphy because of our geography of the, we're an island and it's windy a lot. Um, so I think with more investment and more focus and opening up the barriers to sailing, you know, obviously there is substantial costs in getting a boat and all that sort of stuff. But I do think there's a good opportunity to really make it like boxing as one of our premier sports. 
I did a poll on my Instagram at Couch Olympians podcast on Instagram and I found that like 77% only 77% of people think sailing is an Olympic sport and I'd absolutely argue that sailing is an Olympic sport um, it shows all the Olympic values it's very competitive it might not be the most interesting watch in the world for some but you know I do think it's it's earned its place as an Olympic sport and secondly we had uh, news uh, an interview in the independent with um Shane Ryan who's like Irish slash American uh, but he competes for Ireland as a swimmer and uh, he believes that they're going to be sending the largest Irish team in history to the Olympics this this year which is very very exciting um so hopefully we can see a large Irish contingent go over and then compete in sports you know that maybe would open up a new sort of uh, audience uh, to in the Olympics and we kind of you know RT gets to put on a bit of modern, modern pentathlon to follow Natalia Coyle um, that'd be a good way to go I feel and that's pretty much all the news obviously we had um, there's been some rumblings about like Japan uh, and sort of a lot of the public have come out and cancelled I think sentiment towards the Olympics from the Japanese is actually quite poor uh, they're having complications with their vaccine rollout as well so it's very interesting. I think the social environment that they operate in, and you know, it's cost so much money. It's in the it's in the billions, and a lot of the it was initially projected cost about seven billion, but that's run over well over in near to near twenty million billion now with a lot of the venues being built, and you know, there is some drama over the stadiums. Um, so hopefully the public buy in once the Olympics actually come. I feel like there's always sort of rumblings pre Olympics, um, about the host nation, but. Yeah, so that's the three big headlines for this week. And thanks very much again for listening. Um, Hope you really enjoyed it and see you again soon.